following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. It's to sing a greater song in all the earth, and that doesn't mean uh, that you can't sing uh, so that it pleases the ears of other people but to sing in such a way that pleases the heart of the Lord. Now, it's nothing to do with musical quality, uh, but the openness of your heart to God. Amen. Well, we're returning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses uh, 21 through 25, and that's page 893 in the Pew Bibles. And I'd like to, um, as you're turning there, I want to share a verse from Proverbs that's kind of the overarching principle of our study here this morning, and that is Proverbs 25 in verse 2. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. The glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. Let's pray together. Father, even in these moments when we turn to your word this morning, we pray that our hearts would be singing to you a greater song, that our, uh, we would uh, sing a greater song through our attention to your word and our attentiveness to the voice of your spirit. We pray, Father, that your spirit would move among us this morning, that the songs that we sing are not just uh, empty um, rehearsal of music, um, but our hearts are crying out to you. And Lord, now as we look at your word, we pray that we would hear your hearts cry to us by the voice of your spirit. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text for this morning is a short set of parables concerning principles for understanding parables. So uh, the gospel writer, Mark, uh, was very clear in the, his beginning uh, record of Jesus' parables. Is uh, Like I've said before, he's strategic in what he put in here. The Holy Spirit directed him strategically to include the parable of the sower as the, as the mother of all parables, the key to understanding the rest of them. And then this parable here that we're going to look at uh, is another uh, help to understand the principles of parables. The principles for understanding parables. And this is, this is a text that is often misunderstood and often misapplied. So with that understanding, uh, with the understanding that a text can never mean what it never meant, um, we need to take a close look at this short text in its proper context so that we can get the, at the true meaning that Jesus intended and the reason why the Spirit directed Mark to include this um, in in his gospel, exactly where he did. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. 
If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Hmm. May God's blessing be on his word. So I want to begin looking uh, at the misapplication of this text first, how it's often gotten wrong by, I'm sure, well-meaning people. Now, at first glance, when we look at this text, it could, uh, an argument could be made that Jesus was here talking about spiritual gifts, All right, the proper use of your gifts, serving others and spreading the gospel. It's very easy to see how people can think that. Here, Jesus says, the lamp, right? You don't bring it in to put it under a bucket, but to put it on a stand so everybody can see, right? The lamp that Jesus mentioned here, you've heard it before, a little song, right? No one's ever heard a song. Okay. Jesus mentions the, the lamp is the light of the gospel that he bestowed on his, dis, his disciples and his responsibility was shine the light in the dark world. Don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, 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 shine. Right? I can't remember the tune right now. Sorry. <laughs> you know the song. You know what I'm saying. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Clearly what Jesus was talking about. You're, you know me too well. You're being tricked. How about the measure that you use? The measure that you use will be measured to you and more will be added to you for the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Well, these have been taught over and over. These are spiritual gifts. If we use them properly, we get more. But if we don't use them at all, we lose them. Hmm? Hmm? Do they sound even remotely familiar? Am I just uh, assuming things and answering questions no one is asking? Uh, there's a risk of that. <clears throat> if those ideas do not sound even remotely familiar to you, good, because they are wrong, just to be clear. These parables were not given by Jesus concerning gifts. They are given by Jesus concerning truth. More specifically, searching for the truth. As Proverbs 25 says, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. The glory of kings, not the job of kings or the responsibility of kings, but rather the glory of kings. And that's something that we should aspire to. This is a wonderful privilege, searching out the truth. Well, Jesus conveniently hides three little gems of truth. Make a convenient three-point sermon. You all know how much I love that. Not really. I like one-point sermon. But he gave us three. Uh, and the first is found in verses 21 and 22. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, under a bushel? Or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. 
So I ask you this question. Does anybody here like to do jigsaw puzzles? I know the people that would say yes sit over here, and they're in Florida, right? But I know there's some people like to do puzzles. Rubik's Cube, anybody like to do that? Not me. No, it's a Rubik's garbage. Don't even mess around with it. Sudoku, Sudoku, crossword puzzles, right? So some of us, I would say a large number of us, um, are wired for this. You like to watch a mystery on TV, murder mystery, whatever, Scooby-Doo, okay, right? This, we, we are built for puzzles. We're built for riddles, for solving mysteries, and God knows that about us because he built us that way. That was his idea, not yours. Now, parables that Jesus gives, these are short stories that display spiritual truth, and what they do is they force the willing to search out the truth. These are like a little riddle that you have to figure out. So Jesus brought in the lamp of the truth. It's not the lamp of the gospel. It's the lamp of the truth. And that's not to, and he says, not to hide it forever under a bushel basket or under a bed, Not to hide it forever in unknowable secrets that you have to figure out the numbers and the codes. He brought it in for it to be known and understood, displayed on a stand. He brought it in, he brought it to people in parables so that the willing would have to work out the riddle. They would have to solve the puddle, puzzle, puzzle. I don't, not much to solve about puddles. Maybe the mystery of where the puddle came from. In our house, it's not much of a mystery. It's a bear. He brought the people parables, brought the truth in parables so that the willing would have to figure it out in order to understand the message. Jesus spoke in parables so that the willing would search out the truth in them. And that's Jesus' first gem in understanding parables And that's willingness. So if you're writing down notes, that's one of those words that you write down. They do not all start with W. They are all in English, though, I think. So the first gem is willingness. The second gem is found in verses 23 and 24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Now I ask you, have you ever found that when you diligently search the Scripture for truth, you tend to find more than you were looking for? Now I went looking for an answer to this question, but I got answer to all these other things I I didn't think I was looking for. Now, I'm not talking about those times that we dig through the Bible to find fortune cookie proof text to back up our arguments, right, or back up our incorrect assumptions, right? It's clear that, you know, God is a big fan of baseball because he says in the beginning, right, at the very start of the book, right, or that uh, he likes compact cars because the disciples were all together in one accord, um, that's not the sort of thing. Uh, 
they're kind of a, yeah, they used to be small. Now they're kind of, you're welcome for that. Sorry. I know why. I apologize. So often we can flip to the Bible, flip open the Bible to some random page and close our eyes and point to a text and take it as God's will for our life. We've heard it before. You flip open your Bible and slap down your finger and, God, what do you want me to do today? And your finger goes to Jesus. Uh, Judas went out and hung himself. They, no, that's not it. Go and do thou likewise. No, no. What you're about to do, do quickly, right? This... Uh, that is not a diligent search for truth. That's, uh, that is no more than superstition. And we laugh, but that honestly is a very wide, widely used practice. And it's, it is using the Bible as no more than a lucky rabbit's foot. It's superstition, and it is not right. That is not, the word of God is not a horoscope. We cannot use it that way. We must diligently study the Bible. We must diligently search for truth. It's not coming to the Bible to expect it to change to fit your mood, but coming to the Bible expecting it to change you by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we diligently study the Word, dedicating ourselves to the search for truth, we will always find more than we expect. A key word the gem is diligence. We must be willing, we must be diligent to study the word. The third gem is found in verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now again, remember that Jesus is not talking about gifts. Use your gift, you get more gift. Use your gift, you get better gift. Don't use your gift, you lose it. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. He's talking about truth. Now, it may be generally true that if you do not exercise whatever uh, gift or spiritual gift you might have, you may lose them. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying like when you uh, bind up your arm and don't use it for a month because you broke it in the ceiling, and then you take it out of that and you, you're all weak and muscles atrophy. That's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he is talking about is zeal for the truth, zeal for searching it out. Maybe a better word would be passion, a deep concern and desire for searching out the truth in God's word. And maybe the seed form of this gem is just simply curiosity. Going to God's word to see what it says in there. When you hear Jesus' words from the parable that we looked at last week, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and some on the rocky soil, and some in the thorns, and some in the good soil. And you think to yourself, what does Jesus mean by this? What is soil? What is seed? Who's the sower? What do you mean in this story? That is the beginning of zeal for searching out the truth. But, like anything, zeal is a flame that needs to be fanned. 
if you don't keep it up, you will lose it. That flame will go out. But if you keep it up, the zeal for God's truth will continue to grow in you. It needs to be fed. Zeal needs to be fed. Zeal for searching out the truth. Now, there is a warning here as well. The warning here is that if you have no zeal for searching out the truth in God's word, what truth you may have in you, what little flicker of flame that you might have is in danger of going out. We can't forget that. There is no standing still when it comes to following the Lord. There's forward and backward. There is no neutral. It's like driving on a hill. You're either going forward or going backward. If you have no zeal for searching out the truth, you may very well start rolling backwards. You're either gaining or losing. So the third gem is zeal. Willingness, diligence, and zeal. Three gems found hidden in these parables. I'm really sorry about the three points. This is the difference. These three things are the difference between the disciples of Jesus and the crowds. These are the difference between any real disciple of Jesus and just a fan. Lots of people like Jesus. Lots of people come to church. Lots of people hear his word. But if they're not willing and diligent and zealous to search out the truth, you might as well go watch a movie. Thousands of people that crowded in on Jesus, weren't, they weren't all interested in the truth. Some of, the, some of them just wanted to be healed. Some of them just wanted to see a miracle. And they may or may not have gotten what they were looking for. But that didn't mean that they got what they wanted, or what they needed, I mean. And what they needed was the truth. They may have gotten their bodies healed. They may have seen something spectacular. But Jesus didn't just come to heal bodies so that you feel better on your way to eternal destruction. That's not why Jesus came. He came so that humanity could have our souls healed through faith in him. I want to be very clear. It is only by God's grace that the seed fell on the soil that you are, the soil that your heart is. It is only by God's grace that we are able to hear and receive the gospel, the good news. It is only by God's grace that Jesus came and bore our sins on the cross to die the death that we deserve for our rebellion against Father God. But it is only by willingness, diligence, and zeal to search out the truth of his word that we grow and become fruitful. When we looked at that parable of the soils, the path, no root, the seed did not sprout, the, the um, rocky soil shot up in an emotional response to the gospel. But when things got tough, burnt up, burnt out. And the seed that fell on the thorns, it grew, but there's so much other things going on in life. I just don't have time for go to church. I don't have time to read my Bible. I know where it is, and that's good enough. And the things just chug out the word. 
but the good soil grows and becomes fruitful. Those seeds grow up, mature, and bear fruit. That's by God's grace, and this is how it is accomplished, by willingness, diligence, and zeal to search out God's truth. The seed of the gospel is God's gift to us, but diligence, willingness, and zeal to know him, to know the truth found in his word, are our gifts to him. I want to read something that I did not write, I think is appropriate for us to consider this morning. It says, The availability of soap won't clean anything or anyone unless it's applied to the dirt. There are thousands of people flocking to churches each Sunday to hear the messages that appeal to their divided hearts. They're seeking some assurance for their eternity and want to hear of God's love, but they don't want to be confronted of, with the reality of, how can I say it? Their sin. So the pastors and preachers just don't talk much about it. They preach their own edited, comfortable versions of the gospel, leaving out any truths that might cause discomfort or controversy. And their churches are full, and they are delighted with their quote-unquote effective, growing ministry. These parishioners leave their church Sunday morning delighted with their little snack, not realizing that they've been underfed and that their souls are severely undernourished. Then there are churches with perhaps fewer people in attendance, being fed each week on the rich truth of the whole gospel. Their people are humbled and discomforted by the knowledge of their personal sin, but know that as they come before him seeking forgiveness, that he will help them to change and be more like him. They are overcome with gratitude to the one who took the punishment for their sin by giving his own perfect life on the cross. They find encouragement from one another as they share their challenges and victories with each other in trusting God to meet their needs. These parishioners don't really leave their church on Sunday morning because they are the church, the church being the body of Christ, his believers. They have been fed a full meal, packed with the rightly divided word of truth and the whole gospel. Their souls are well nourished. You see, the mark of an effective church is not how many people come, but how many people leave differently as a result of having been there. The truth, whether you're hearing it or not, is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we pray, wash me and make me white as snow. Amen? These words were penned 
a year ago today, or two years ago today, our beloved Peggy Aaron. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, the truth that bears seeking out. We pray, Lord, for your help, a willingness and diligence and zeal. These are things that we cannot manufacture on our own. Maybe we can sit here and say, yeah, I really want to do that. I really want to be like that. Well, we're going to leave here in a few minutes. And we're going to need your help to remember the truth. That we must be willing to search out the truth in your word. We can have good intentions as we sit here and nod our heads in agreement. May your spirit nod our hearts in agreement when we're at home, when we're at work, when we walk along the way, when we sit down and when we rise. May we be willing and diligent and zealous to search for the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, to do that. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who does not know you personally, who has not submitted their life to you, ask for your forgiveness for their sin, to put their trust in you for the direction of their life. I pray that even now in these very moments, in the quietness of their own hearts, they would ask for your forgiveness and they put their trust in you. Simple as that. That you would forgive them, wash their sin away, make them white as snow. And Lord, for those of us that said those words in our hearts many years ago, we pray that you would help us to continue to grow by your grace, that we would be good soil because we are willing and diligent and zealous to search out your truth and your word, to study your word for what it is, a wonderful, wonderful gift of love for us. We thank you, Lord, for your great grace and for your love. May we be a blessing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our final song. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.